Welcome to the show. Good to have you along. And anti-racism protests continue across the globe. Uh, people are continuing to share their stories online. And, and you, you're continuously hearing people say, this time it feels different. And hopefully this time it is different. A lot of uh, people are sharing their stories, like Hal Johnson did, of uh, overcoming racism and achieving success. We're having awkward conversations with uh, loved ones, with friends, and even with ourselves as we start to look inward and figure out, you know, where we go from here and how we can make positive changes. I want to welcome to the show Wes Hall, the executive chairman of the KSS Group of Companies, director of Sick Kids Foundation, board member of the Toronto International Film Festival. According to the Globe and Mail, who refer to him as one of Canada's most influential power brokers. He is a good guy to talk about this uh, conversation with. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you on, Wes. Thanks, Kelly. Okay, so you've written two articles in the last uh, few weeks. You wrote one for the Toronto Star. Um, you titled, I Saw No Examples of Black Corporate Leaders Talking About Systemic Racism, So I'm Speaking Up. And then you wrote another one, uh, which is headlined, are you not concerned about being Kaepernicked? Why do you feel, what motivated you to come forward and start speaking about this? You know, well, um, listen, we've uh, seen uh, police brutality and uh, and it's not just police brutality, by the way. We've seen just private citizens murder uh, black men uh, and just get away with it. Nothing happens. And, uh and it just seemed to be a cycle that, that just keeps going on. And so I heard about the situation with uh, George Floyd, but I wasn't really paying attention to it because, uh, like everybody else, we're really busy managing our companies through uh, COVID-19. And uh, so I was having, I have these weekly COVID-19 calls with all my company management teams. And, uh, and then I heard that about this situation and someone said you know you should actually take a look at the video and i said why would i it's the same thing that i've mm-hmm. always seen and i said no you should look at it and i looked at it and kelly my my life changed after looking at it um because uh i saw myself on that man's knee and uh and and george floyd wasn't really he, he was driving a mercedes-benz that's the vehicle he was in that's not that's a, a middle to higher income car depends on the model you have and, uh, and, and he was accused of a minor offense that he probably wouldn't even spend a day in jail for. And it was an accusation because the law says that innocence until proven guilty, and he was guilty until proven innocent. Innocent, right there on the spot. And the police officer was judge, jury, and executioner right in broad daylight. And the sickening thing about it was that authorities looked at that video and they didn't charge him. They did nothing about it until it became public. And that's when I decided that, you know, we just can't stop. We just, we just have to speak our truth. We've got to tell our stories. And that's what we're doing. Well, and beyond that, they didn't charge him until not only it became public, it was days after it became public, and they realized that uh, the whole country was going to revolt if they didn't get onto something and, and actually do the right thing. Um, you, you've been getting calls and emails from supporters coming from corporate Canada. I think the question is, you, you know, we all know the motivation and just the disgust that I just think as a human, anybody who's human, uh, feels when they see that video, because it was a complete loss of humanity and we were watching it. 
And I actually couldn't finish it. And I still have not gone back to revisit it. I know what happens. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I can't finish it. And I'm still kind of grappling with if I need to finish it or if it's okay that I, that I'm all right with not finishing it. And, and the message has been received loud and clear. Um, yeah. But where do we go from here? I mean, because we we all are searching and looking inwards. And I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, I'm getting a lot of angry emails of people in um, assuming that when we talk about these stories, we're calling white people racists. That's not what's going on. Um, but but I, I think w what's happening is people aren't going to stand for uh, overt uh, and even subtle uh, signs of inequality anymore. So where do we where do we begin to change? Does that begin with the corporate leaders? Yeah. So so listen, we're I'm not naive when we set up the council, uh, the Black North Group. Uh, we're not going to end racism. You know, that is uh, you know uh, uh, God Himself is going to do that. We're not we're not going to do that. What we're set up to do is to end anti-Black systemic racism. So we're looking at the barriers that were put in place that causes racism against black people. And in some cases, those barriers were unintended consequences, right? There's laws that were put in place supposedly to protect blacks, but instead they're used against blacks. And the reason being was because of the fact that we haven't been at the table when those legislations were drafted. They were drafted by people that didn't look like us, that assumed that they were doing us a favor, and they didn't even consult us to say, what do you think of this? And so what we're saying is in all areas of society, right, 3.5% uh, of the population, which is the black population, has been disenfranchised from the decision-making process. We're not a part of the boardrooms. We're not a part of the executive suite. We're not a part of the policies. We're not a part of the government policies or the bureaucrats. We're not a part of the, uh, the uh, you know, the executive team in, uh, in, in government. We're nowhere. <laughs> Right. And but yet people are saying that there is no systemic racism. So the question is, why is it that when I look at all these different institutions, you name the institution, government, private, we're not there. Why is that? Is there a systemic reason for that? And we believe that as business leaders, we like to solve problems. Right. So let me ask, what a, can I ask you this? Can I just interject for two seconds? Because I yeah. feel like somebody is in their car right now wondering or saying this aloud uh, who might not love what you're saying. And, and they might be saying, well, you're not there because you haven't been asked. You haven't asked to be there. What do you say to that? You're not there. Uh, but the people that are there, they weren't asked. They were invited. OK, right. That's, that's I, just, I really wanted to get that out there because I felt like that might be something that somebody would be questioning. And and when something like that comes up on the show, I like to clear it out of the way right away so that, you know, you can continue to make a, a really valid point. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, you know, if um, I, I was talking to a very, very successful black entrepreneur, made a lot of money, had a lot of success in all these different areas. OK. And he said to me, Wes, I've been doing business in this country for a very long time and became a billionaire, and I've never been invited on a corporate board in Canada. Why is that? Wow. Why is that? Are you telling me that uh, our boards are so much more capable that someone that have became a billionaire from starting a business from the ground up have nothing to add in a boardroom? So again, is there a systemic reason for that? And we're not saying that the decision makers or racist. I am not saying that at all. I am just saying that there's a systemic reason for us to make certain decisions. 
And those decisions, unfortunately, exclude excludes blacks, right? And if we now examine uh, those decisions, we're going to realize that, oops, I didn't even think about that. And then we're going to write the ship. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure that we write the ship. And as I said in the article in, 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 in the newspaper, we're not asking for our own anything. We just want to share. We just want to participate. If you do the yeah, you you bring up a great a great point about marbles and kids with marbles. Can you tell that little story? Because I think it really, uh, it, it's a it's a good visual learning aid. Yeah, because the the, the you know the, the point is that you have uh, uh, ten uh, kids in a playground. You have five blacks and five whites, and you have five marbles, and you give all the five marbles uh, to the white kids, and the marbles represent something: healthcare, education. Uh, good employment, uh, housing, and and so on, and uh, and then one of the black kids uh, get up and go over to the white kids and say, "Listen, could I play with one of your marbles, please?" And somebody looking on, like those people you mentioned, driving in a car, listening on, saying, "How dare you ask to share the marbles?" And the poor kid go back and sit down. And uh, but kids are good, very kind-hearted. One of the kids got up and say, "Hey, my marble is broken. It's education." You can have it. I'm going to get a new one. And another child, one of the white child, got up and said, hey, my marble is broken. It's health care. You can have it. We're going to get a new one. And the point is that, you know, as I said in the article, it's no fun playing with broken marbles. And really, black people has been handed had broken marbles for centuries, right? So, but we don't want our own marbles. We just want to play with you. <laughs> Right. right. And the fact that the, the fact that you're given a broken marble and told to function with part of what people are given, that must be just completely deflating. It is. And when you look at the statistics, for example, in the healthcare system, education system, in the workforce, we are significantly underrepresented and disenfranchised. Significantly. We have more deaths in uh, COVID-19. We have less, ed- you know, we have more educated people. Uh, in the black community, but are in the low, more uh, represent more in the low income category. When I say low income, meaning less than $32,000 a year, right? And a lot of the people that are in that category that are black, they're actually are college or university educated. So again, you know, one can argue, but look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. And if you look at the numbers, then you're going to go, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. And let's examine what it is and let's fix it. All right, so you're going to try and fix it at the uh, Canadian Council of Business Leaders uh, Against Anti-Black Systemic Racism, Black North Virtual Summit, Summit, which happens on July 20th. That is a mouthful, Um, and uh, you will be urging CEOs to uh, sign a pledge. What is that pledge, and how eager will they be to sign it? Well, well, we're still working on what that pledge uh, looks like. And, uh, but the good news is that we've, we do have a template, right? Because on the diversity push, uh, that pledge, they really essentially had a pledge. And the pledge initially, uh, that push was, we would like to see gender uh, parity in the boardrooms. And uh, however, uh, the, the 30% club said, but we need to see 30% by 2022. So that's the target. And that's a percentage. So we kind of have that playbook. And last year, for example, every single company that had public company that had their meeting had a woman on their board. So we saw the target, we see it happening, and there's a deadline, and we know it's going to be met. So we're using a similar playbook here uh, because people are familiar with the playbook. And, uh, and if they now say, you know what, 
we're we're going to go with that playbook, but we're not going to go with yours. Mm-hmm. You know, then they have to explain the you know the reason for the uh, for being a hypocrite. And, uh, but Wes, but I, what I do you say to the idea that, you know, that playbook about um, gender parity, some people say, well, you know, I believe in a meritocracy. This is ridiculous that women are, you know, being favored over men when they might not be uh, as qualified. Are you worried about that um, same message being applied to your initiative? Well, it's yeah, but people are saying it out of ignorance, right? Uh, because yeah, well, of the course. data, the data says that if you have uh, a gender diverse board, that your company is going to perform 25% better. It also adds that if you have a racially diverse board, you're going to perform 35% better. So if you're a business person, you're making a bad business decision by excluding women and blacks and minorities from your board. You're making a poor business decision doing so. Yeah, well, closed-mindedness has never been good for business at the end of the day and success. I, I want to thank you for your time, Wes. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you uh, all the best at your um, y- your J- July twentieth. Um, what's it? the? Black it's North not a board summit. meeting. Thank the you, Black summit. North I was North looking for the word. I the the word was escaping me. The <laughs> summit. I wish you the best at the Black North summit, and um, and maybe we'll check in and see how yeah, things you went. Should. You should. I would Thanks, love guys. it.